Hi, welcome back to Make Do. I'm Julia Scott. And I'm Tiff Arment. And this is a Q&A episode, and I'm going to cheat and go first with a question that's all mine. Are you dressing up for Halloween this year? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't dress up any year, really. Um, this was supposed to be my Halloween party year, because it's on a Saturday. I know, but, right? <laughs> you know, things change things. So I do have, like, a couple sheets on the ready in case we need to be ghosts for whatever reason. Um, I am making Adam's costume as per usual. I'm not making it to the extent that I normally do because he has gotten to the age where he feels embarrassed to have an awesome costume. Oh no. So we are in the stages of like trying to make it what he wants, but still be kind of cool. So So, like it needs to be, there's a very slim part of the spectrum of homemade. Like it should not be too good, but also not too bad. Yeah, exactly. Like it's uh he wants to be one of those among us characters if anyone's ever played oh, that game the, the, and he picked the I color he it, wants. I want to call them bloopy bloops, but they're not. But they're just these really simple blobby dudes. Yeah, they're really simple little blobbies and so we just kind of got him like um a hooded pajama onesie outfit that he just like zips up in the color and I made him like a little backpack out of another I got like two of those, you know, so mm-hmm. I used the same fabric. So I made like a little backpack out of actually um, some um, of the recording noise canceling foam that's up <laughs> in the <laughs> studio here. And yeah, I'm, I got some ski goggles. So he kind of has a mask. I was just about to say, like, I mean, face shields are everywhere right now. So you could just get one of those. Yeah. So it's kind of been like a putting a costume together as opposed to making it. I'm going to sew him a mask so it goes over his face. So it matches the outfit. <laughs> Uh, so it looks all the same. But that's really about it. Oh, and he wants toilet paper on his head because you can buy like these little hats and one of them's a toilet paper roll. So I'm <laughs> going to try and actually like, make that out of fabric so I don't have to try and figure out how to get an actual, you know, roll of toilet paper on his head. Does that is that like sad or is it a relief or both? It's kind of a little bit of a relief. Uh, I, I, you know, it's it's kind of a year where it doesn't feel like super fun mm-hmm. and and. Like, it doesn't feel like, oh, this is going to be everywhere and a whole bunch of people are dressing. Like, it's not the same. So it's kind of nice to, like, take it easy a little bit. Yeah. I have a question for you. Are you dressing up for Halloween? (laughs) I am still somewhere in my mind maybe going to make myself a Miss Piggy outfit. Hey! (laughs) I mean, do it for the gram, right? Right? Yeah, no, because I've been playing around with, like, some sort of weird, just, like, Disney bounding cosplay light stuff. Uh, on my Instagram and it's just it's so fun I just have to make sure that I don't go bananas be like I can make all the things I have this like weird shiny synthetic fabric that I found like secondhand at some point and I'm like wait this could be a sort of weird 80s ball gown and I don't have a boa but I could fake it and I'm sure I could you know sew myself some weird opera gloves and then I'm like but that's that might be a little much even for me or it's not. I don't know. Hey, it's a project. <laughs> a project is a project regardless of the outcome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No matter how small. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Let's let's get into uh, more more brainy questions. We've got a ton of great questions from from you guys. Uh, we'll see if, if we talk enough that this is going to have to be like a three week, <laughs> three episode episode. So uh, th- these are in, in no particular order. They're mostly like in the order that they want in the doc. So Emily asks, have you ever had trouble making something because you struggle with the idea that you aren't doing it for a purpose other than because you want to? How do you get back to the headspace of creating for the sake of creating? This, 
This question like pointed at me. I went, ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> this question is like our whole podcast. <laughs> yeah, because like, yes, so many times where I'm like, this would be a fun thing to do. And there's this idea that, it, you know, it has to be for something, even if that something is just like, this is something that I'm willing to show off in my home. But there are so many things where I'm like, well, I don't even know if I'd want to put this out anywhere. I maybe just want to try it or I have this idea or I think this as a finished thing might even be ugly, but I really want to try it. I don't know how I get back to the headspace. I think sometimes I'm just like, I just need to do something. But I think I'm probably, I don't think I'm very good at necessarily just creating for the sake of creating. I think the closest I probably get most of the time is creating for the sake of practice which, you know, is, is good in one way, but I guess also doesn't allow you that same kind of childlike wonder at like, I glued this thing to this other thing. Yeah, my so I absolutely have this problem. And sometimes I feel like something has nowhere to go either in my own life or as a gift. And so therefore, like, I'm not motivated to make it if I don't have a purpose for it. And, and even if the purpose is for practice, uh, yuck, I'm not into that. <laughs> I want to be, but I'm not. So I try and get back into making by finding things to make that isn't just for the sake of making, um, even if it's for the purpose of wanting to make something beautiful or therapeutic for myself. But like, oftentimes, I want to create, like, it doesn't have a physical purpose, but it has a mental one instead. Mm -hmm. And that can often be enough drive. So for me, like making dinner is a chore because most of the time my heart isn't in it. But a painting that means something to me, even if it turns out awful, has more momentum behind it because it feels purposeful. So I think like your heart was turned on while you were doing it and you can't just flip that switch for cooking all the time. Right. So like the idea of, you know, getting back to a headspace for creating for the sake of creating, I still think that the idea of creating needs to have some sort of heart behind it. Otherwise, you're just kind of like forcing yourself to go through the motions. And then like, why are you doing it in the first place? Like, even if that creating is like, I want to draw doodles on a paper, just like over and over, like swirly swirls. Like if that's what your heart is feeling, you're like, I just need to make swirls for some reason. Sometimes you feel that way. Uh, that has more motivation and is more likely to push you forward into the creating space. So I feel like you don't have to make room for, for creating for the sake of creating, you know, like don't just fill up your time be to fill up your time. I feel like it's, it's a good idea to find the heart behind it and then create, and it, but it doesn't have to be a masterpiece. It doesn't have to be like, I'm making this big, amazing thing for my soul it could just be like, I really feel like doing this now. So letting yourself indulge in that. I think also sometimes, and I think I've talked about this before, where sometimes I'll just make something small that is very specifically for someone else because it's almost like it it kind of refills my, my jar of, you know, I, I did this with a specific purpose. So if I'm like make a little baby outfit for someone and then I'm like, oh, yeah, because somebody's going to be happy and it's very, very purposeful. And then I'm like, all right, I'm now going to make my 117th shawl. Let's do this, you know. <laughs> but I think it, it's kind of funny that we were just talking about Miss Piggy because like this is kind of where I'm trying to decide how I feel about this with some of my sewing, like with this sort of weird cosplay where I'm kind of like, but I want to make an actual cosplay, sort of, and I want to like try doing historic sewing, but not at a level where I could wear most of it like in my everyday life. But you know, I'm, I'm 
probably not going to go to conventions. I mean, not just not anytime soon, but like, I don't think that's something that I would want to do in costume because I overheat and I'm lazy. And I I can't quite think of where I would wear like an 18th century gown with, you know, giant hoops and everything. But I want to try it. And it's kind of hard to be like, so it would, it would just, it, on the one hand, it would be totally just for me. But then I'm also like, and and not you know I I would learn so many amazing techniques and I would have fun and I would, but then I'm like yes but that is also you know money and materials and time and also a lot of cosplays and historical dress they take up a lot of room when you're not wearing them. I mean, what about the? I mean, I know I know our motto is stop trying to monetize my hobby, but like what about the idea of once you get like your fulfilling Instagram pictures about it. And you store it for a little while and you're just like, you know what, I, just, I can't keep it. This is after you've made it because you're totally going to make it. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I hate the, that you're right. <laughs> I, what about what if you like put it up on like a marketplace where people buy like cosplay stuff and actually like sell it to make room for the next thing you want to do? Possibly. And I think that would be easier with cosplay than with like proper historical costuming because I don't know that I would, you know, make perfect French scenes of everything and like hide everything but with cosplay that would work yeah but a lot of people don't want to spend the money for perfect french scenes yeah. right like there's True. different levels of if you want to buy but you cannot make you know and you want to have these things and also do you want and do you want to buy it for like one convention or one costume party and not for like this is now in my arsenal of the things i wear when i go to fancy balls mm-hmm. i also kind of like the idea of cosplay cosplay because you're like you know this is all warble and hot glue and it only has to look good from the front <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's no shame in some shortcuts for some awesome pictures, because why would you put in that much time if someone's not going to be seeing like, you know, the full 360 of what you got going on? I mean, you're almost convincing me to make only the front half of <gasps> a sort it. of Marie Antoinette costume. Why not? And then I'm, I'm going to be like, from the back, it's like, hello, this is my my modern butt. Ah. <laughs> uh, Gosh dang it! This this podcast makes me want to try all the new things. I will say, I I wished for a beginner lino cut set for my birthday. So we'll I'll report back if if I get one, and then I will probably need to also get some Kevlar gloves so that I don't stab myself with all the sharp. <laughs> sharp Do it for the podcast. Bits. Do it for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, the Kevlar <laughs> gloves are a write off. Our next question comes from Amanda, and they say, I've been binging on your podcast for the last couple of weeks after somebody recommended it to me, and it's been really, and I've been really enjoying it. I'm a maker myself, but rather than art, I make music and pretty sounds for a living. Uh, here are some questions for the Q&A. Have either of you dabbled in the art of making music in the past? And if so, how was your experience? Have you ever been inspired to make something after hearing a song or a piece of music? Thank you for all that you guys do. I love the concept of making pretty sounds for a living. Me too. Soundscapes. <laughs> it's so it sounds so wonderful and calming or maybe it's stressful. I don't know. In um, my in my alternative life I'm a foley artist. Nice. That, gosh, there's so many good movies about that. Actually no, there's one. There's one good movie about <laughs> that. Um anyway, I have a small music education background having taken like a few levels of music theory and I've had a guitar since high school and like most American girls I had a few piano lessons so (laughs) I'm inspired to learn songs on guitar when I hear something I really like so I'll start like dabbling and trying it out just to kind of reproduce someone else's song so I even started taking pre like some more lessons to get a little bit better 
pre-pandemic before everything closed and so those have stopped but besides randomly strumming on some chords and just like making things like sound good with like you know c c c a a e like really boring stuff um i am not a musical creator at all but i greatly admire people who are how about you julia uh i because my mother is russian when i was a little girl i took piano and i took ballet because it's the law uh, so I played piano for a number of years. I've taken lessons in trumpet and guitar. And I did write like a handful of songs in high school, very sort of singer songwriter And I still like, I remember them and I'm, you know, I, I still think they're decent. They're not amazing. But I think also because my, my grandfather, my mom's dad was a composer and a professor of composition at the conservatory in Moscow. Wow. No biggie. I think I'm just kind of like, all right, well, that's, you know, that's not my level. I think like I love music, but I think I am more of a consumer of music. Like I love, you know, playing music at home concerts. And I used to do these weird improvisations on piano as a kid. And I kind of wish that any of them were recorded so I could know now if they were as much fun as I felt they were at the time or if they were just like, you know, migraine inducing clinky clinky. Because <laughs> I'm really <laughs> curious. Yeah, like I, I have sometimes wished that I was more into or had cared more about writing music, but for whatever reason, I'm more of a, yeah, singing other people's stuff. That's a good way to put it, the consumer of music. That's exactly how I am. And like maybe consumer and, and conduit that I will sing for other people. But, you know, uh, I would love, uh, Amanda, if you would want to send us some of your stuff so we can listen to it. Yeah. Uh, also, if you want, um, I'm keen to possibly buy a new intro for us to freshen up our look a little bit that would be pretty cool absolutely our soundscape (laughs) i kind of love the idea now that amanda is actually a foley artist so that our 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 podcast will now start with weird like squishy gravel noises (laughs) did you know that the weird crunchy noises in alien was made by pouring um lubricant on heads of cabbage and then squishing them oh i love watching the foley videos especially for video games and stuff too when you have like gross things like zombies man they think of the coolest stuff to make sounds out of yeah uh agnes wants to know is there an artist you love that makes you want to have whatever they make uh if only you had all the money in the world what about you you don't want to go first (laughs) i can go first uh i have i have a couple but like i wouldn't necessarily want to have like whatever they make, but they make a number of things that I really like. And I think um, Helma of Klint, who is a Swedish abstract artist, who she was amazing. She's on the cover of a brand new book about abstract art from a big museum publisher. I'll try to find the link specifically. Because she just does this amazing sort of geometric and like, it's just, it's really, really cool. And I would love to have that. Um, I feel like sometimes part of this is sometimes cheating because like it'll be artists who were active for a long time so that you know that you like a bunch of their stuff and that sometimes mean that they have to have some success because you know it's like everybody else likes them and I don't care that much about that but I wish I had some like somebody like a small artist that I could just be like yes this is who I want to support. I probably have those and I can't think of them. Then there's uh, Max Ernst who I talked about on a previous episode who you know, was the sort of weird early modernist, um, early 20th century artist. And something about his stuff just grabs me. And then there's uh, Nikki de Saint-Fi, who I think I've also maybe talked about. She does these amazing sculptures, so I would need to also buy a house with a giant garden because, <laughs> like, they wouldn't fit 
in the house. I would have to like buy my neighbor's house and raise it and just like put these. Yeah. I always wish I had an easy answer for this. Uh, Like I love art and I'm often drawn in by something that I really didn't expect. Like different points in my life draw me to different types of work and different artists. But recently, um, I've been really into the work of Miles Johnston. Uh, He does like pencil drawings and paintings. And I wanted one of his drawings so badly. And I was actually there to see it in like an opening night at a gallery in New York. And I watched it get bought like in front of my eyes, like while I was psyching myself up about the price. So I would have jumped on the piece if I had not hesitated about the cost, which was rightly deserved. It was like a stunning pencil drawing called Boundaries and it definitely should have gone for what it was, but it was just like, ooh, that much for a pencil draw. I, oh, that's a, that's a choice. Like, this is like, I am investing in art if I do this. So I hesitated and I missed out. So I guess, uh, I guess for right now, he would, he would be my pick. But um, I actually bought one, a print of the, I bought a print, nice, a limited that's edition nice. print. So that was good. It doesn't quite feel the same, but I would have loved to have the original. So yeah. So right now, Miles Johnson, he he creates like these really weird, surreal drawings of people and kind of like mm, just like deformed, like amorphous states of their body to express emotion. It's like, so there'll be like a couple where one person is like, inside of the other person like nestled in or someone is um you know they're they're like torn in half or they have like 12 faces or it's it's very creepy but it's really beautiful at the same time and so i it it sparks emotion and it makes you it makes you feel things that are very personally related and not like exactly what he possibly intended because you're able to put so much of your own emotion onto his work so uh yeah that's that's who it is for right now. I I thought of two more, uh, one <laughs> that is like literal and one that is kind of like the statue thing that I would love a really big Joey Feldman piece because he just oh. does. They're just so good. And I would like a really, really big one, like an intense, almost floor to ceiling piece. Um, and maybe if I, you know, sell a book, another book one day, I'll do that. And then I realized that... Uh, I would love to own one or multiple pieces by Salvador Dali, but I would have to also like have a separate house or a specific room that's only for that because I don't think I would want to see it all the time. I think I would just be like, oh, no, oh, no, I haven't had I haven't had breakfast yet. You have to go into the dizzy room to look at it. <laughs> Basically. So we have our next question. Um, where would you want to go for an art slash craft retreat? Is there a place where you both would like to go together, assuming we have good vaccine and pandemic is over? I think we talked at some point about wanting to meet up in Iceland just because it's such a bizarre landscape. Like it's so different mm-hmm. from most other places and it's hard to get to. But I'm like, I have this weird little confused list here that I made where I'm like, well, Iceland or maybe you know, the Hebrides or Cotswold or Japan, because that would be amazing with all mm-hmm. the pottery there. And then I'm like, I could just come to New York. That would be fine. <laughs> but I think like Iceland or Japan, which seems like very much two extremes. But I think for, you know, for pottery, there's so much amazing stuff there. So many amazing teachers and history and stuff. And I think that both you and I could be like, all right, so it's a month. <laughs> and half of that is the actual like retreat or one week of that. And then the rest is just like traveling around to all these amazing places with all this, you know, 
history and and creativity and amazing people. I would I would jump on those trips absolutely. Uh, for <laughs> that, me, when that's I was big of you, <laughs> uh, for me when I was thinking about this question, I was it was reminded of like back in my twenties. I used to lust over photography retreats in California, and they mm-hmm. looked like so amazing, and like all the people there looked really cool. So I never felt like I could measure up because they were just all really just upsettingly hip you know and I just was (laughs) not so maybe something like that if I had the confidence that's what I would want to try out but realistically I'm so ping pong that I just like from project to project all day and I can't imagine being forced to do the same thing every day for like a retreat and that making me happy but I would do something if you know you psyched me up (laughs) to do something (laughs) together I totally would like I can I can uh, jump on the bandwagon if someone else is leading the charge pretty easily. Like, I like that kind of sense of adventure of like, yeah, let's go. That sounds good. I'll do it. Like, you plan it, I'll do it. Right. So, yeah, I think um, for, for like a, a super organized retreat, I think I would only want like four or five days max. Yeah, it Just seems like, like a lot. I need, yeah, like I need time to sort of rest my brain, rest my social glands. Uh, and then just like be able to do other stuff that's not just like, all right, you know, report back in, in two hours. So, yeah, that's why I would like to kind of do it with a friend probably because like then you have less stress to, you know, try and make friends to socialize. You can like you can do that, but you always have like the fallback of the friend, you mm-hmm. know, and just be like, oh, let's just sit next to each other and not talk because that would be <laughs> awesome. And when I was thinking about this also. I would like to do like a craft that's something bigger than myself or something bigger than I have access to, like large scale sculpting or welding or woodworking. Or like glass blowing. Or... Yeah. Yeah. Like glass blowing, like something big, like with lots of equipment that seems really difficult. Like that seems like the kind of fun, immersive thing that like you are going to be learning something completely new and you need some time to like really mm-hmm. get into it. And like even creating one piece takes a few days. Well, I've, at this point, I've had, you know, my my lung function and CT scans and everything very thoroughly done. And I apparently have some issues with gas exchange, which sounds hilarious, but it's just in my lungs, not anywhere else. But my lung function is great. So we should do a glass blowing retreat. Yes. Like when the world is back. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> when that will be. I'm there. And and uh, speaking of getting away, uh, if you can have a, a year of sabbatical for an intensive art slash craft training or learning, what kind of art or craft would you like to do currently? I'm assuming this answer will change as you find out more cool things. I think my answer to this kind of varies depending on like, is it is it like training or learning with someone else? Like, am I taking a year to be like part of an intensive course or am I just like, all right, for whatever reason, some some great, 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 great uncle or something who I don't like and doesn't make anyone sad when they pass away gave me money. But because this is an 80s movie, I can only use it for, for schooling, you know, <laughs> or is it just like, uh, you know, I decided to this is what I'm going to do with with this year because I, I can't think of any specific examples now. But like, for instance, if it was going to be a sabbatical in Japan. That's one thing. Or is it just like, all right, I am now just going to get really good at sewing and that's what I'm going to spend this mythical inheritance on and just like watch all the tutorials and just, you know, buy books and maybe take some classes. Or do I just want to do something adjacent to things I know? Or do I want to, you know, go to New Zealand and blow glass for a year? I'm not actually answering this. I'm just like putting like weird premises out there. Uh, (laughs) Help me. Well, Right now, 
I would I would love to sit down and get more serious about stained glass. So getting more tips and tricks from like a real master. But also, honestly, I'm having like a great time making the mistakes on my own and cutting my own fingers and finding it all out for myself. So and a year feels like such a long time. But I mean, I also like painting. So if I could go and learn like intense portrait painting in a really cool city for a year, that would be awesome. But assuming I can make myself settle that long, that's uh, that's a big assumption. For some reason, I I now see you going to uh, Venice and just learning to paint the water and the light for oh, a year. Yes. Like the Capodanza. Ca- ca- <laughs> oh, God. Now I'm just like dreaming completely freely, which is dangerous and I should never do. I think that my dream would be like a year of sabbatical to just like focus on creative pursuits. Because I feel like if you're taking a year sabbatical to like get really good at one specific thing, you would really have to focus on it so hard that like all the other stuff isn't really there for that year. Like you would really, you know, you'd see it Mm -hmm. as like this is a full time job. And then I maybe just need to sleep because I've been been lugging glass blowing equipment around or whatever. <laughs> and also, like, am I at home or am I somewhere else where, like, this is all I all I have to do. But like a, a year of just being artsy fartsy, that would be that would be really cool. I think I mean, the second assumption is like the answer will change as you find more cool things it's like, yes, yes, they would. <laughs> so here's another question that will get you dreaming. What is your favorite dessert? I will almost always order tiramisu if it's available if i'm like at a place you know above a certain level and that level doesn't have to be that high like i probably wouldn't order tiramisu at a mcdonald's if they had it but like no diner tiramisu is kind of (laughs) good true uh but like maybe not the lowest of the low like not Mm. roadside tiramisu (laughs) just like there's a tiny little stand or maybe i don't know i like creme brulee because i like the crack like Wait, isn't that an Amelie from a Martin thing? Like, I like the crack of the... But, like, tiramisu, I think, is is my favorite because it has, like, multiple textures and multiple flavors, and it's not too sweet. I also I like ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> I will never say no to key lime pie. That's my answer. I'm trying to remember if I've ever actually had key lime pie. Oh. My. God. It's not really a thing here. All right. Well, next time you come, I'll make you a key lime pie because I make an amazing key lime pie completely Yay! from scratch. My own graham cracker, my own graham cracker crust and everything. So, yeah. Have, have, did you grow the key limes? Uh, no, but I will <laughs> find them and juice them if I need to. <laughs> <laughs> and along that, actually, uh, if you were to have a fancy dinner or afternoon tea party, what kind of food and drink would you make? And would you have a theme? There always has to be a theme. There always has to be a theme. And I mean, sometimes the theme is delicious things that you eat with your fingers. <laughs> no, I love I love a good theme. But this is a tricky question because it also depends on the season. But I do love <laughs> All right. I would love a fancy taco night. So anything where anyone has Ooh. to get dressed up, but I love I, I just I love getting dressed up and I love eating tacos. So like if I could eat my weight in tacos, while wearing fancy clothes, that's a total win for me. So that's a quick plug for the top four episode of taco toppings slash ingredients slash whatever you finally decided that the episode <laughs> it's a top four ta- about. It's a toppings episode. It's fine. We talk about top four taco toppings <laughs> with Tiff and Tarko and Marco. <laughs> 
I love that. And like now, for some reason, I'm picturing like just a bunch of people dressed up like golden era Hollywood starlets eating tacos. Yeah. You got to get a little stretchy waistband or something a little bit flowy because we're going to be packing in those tacos. And roaring 20s tacos. <laughs> There's so many things to pair with tacos. That's what I do. I... My mind just went straight for the afternoon tea because I love afternoon tea. Oh, I do love a good tea. Oh, but restaurants right. do it so nice. They do it so nice. I don't think I would do it like a fancy dinner party. I, I've i done like something sort of brunchy afternoon tea with friends where I love making little cute things and I love making like themed food. So like little finger sandwiches with salmon and cream cheese and cucumber and like all that stuff. Probably like grow my own watercress just for the occasion and scones and I love baking things. I might actually buy like a really nice tiny sampler of the baked goods because I don't think I would have the energy to like bake four each of 10 different things tiny. Actually, I probably would because I am bananas. Um, but like I would just want that and I would probably either make my own stand with my own pottery or I would go and find like old pattern china that I could glue together to make the stand to carry in with all the stuff. And I would probably theme it Bletchley Park because I have had afternoon tea at Bletchley Park and it would all be like everyone dresses like the 40s and everything is in code. But you would get to eat even if you didn't solve the code because I don't think you should, you know torture your guests oh i want to go to that party i want to go to your party <laughs> <laughs> i want to go to yours i love guacamole all right we'll go to each other's parties sounds great let's, let's. so you're good yeah. right yeah okay um i didn't i'm just cut you off early now <laughs> <laughs> i'm just sitting uh, here about like mm, i wonder if you could make finger sandwiches with guacamole on them absolutely <laughs> absolutely tiny tiny little millennial avocado <gasps> toast tiny tacos but you need a lot of them no, tiny avocado toasts. Oh, yeah, that's good. Too. Oh, yes. Okay, got focus, focus. Question eight. I, I need dinner. <laughs> our, our next question is from Jade. I'm. This is perfect for me to read. I'm the kind of person who finds herself hyper-focused on the tools rather than the craft. Like, <laughs> I must research the very best ladle before I can make the soup. All the gear and no idea describes me so well. So any tips for making do with what you've got would be great. I am often guilty of this exact same thing <laughs> and i think if i because like uh, in my mental state is i think if i had the proper tool this thing would be easier and i would like it more because i'm not fighting my tools and for most crafts and skills this is absolutely true and for others you can make do an example um i got a starter kit for stained glass because you can't even start without like the basic tools so you need to buy something and I made a few pieces with the basic tools and now I've paused my work because I want <laughs> I want a small foiling machine to arrive which I ordered because I cut these pieces and I'm so proud of this one piece and I want it to look as polished as possible so I'm like waiting for this tool to make that easier and sleeker and so when my piece is done I feel more proud so maybe the answer is that you should try and think a little bit like a kid. Like if I had nothing to make the thing that I wanted to make, what is the closest thing I have? Think cosplay. <laughs> so yeah, I mean like my son makes everything out of cardboard and tape, right? He like thinks about, I want to make armor. I want to do this. He doesn't think like, oh, I need to go out and buy like all of these tools and, and things to make this. He just, he makes it if he has like an imagination to make it. So if you're still motivated to make it like a small sewing project and you just have like a needle and some mismatched fabric and, you know, 
the wrong zipper, but you make it anyway, then I think the idea would be like, oh, I made it and I liked making it and now I want to make another one and a small investment in some of the right tools to make the next time easier would be a good thing. So that's kind of like, it's it's really difficult to get over that hurdle of like, well, I need all the tools first, but a lot of times you don't need the highest end tools or you don't need the best tools. You just need kind of like a starter kit or, you know, if if you want to sew something, start with the needle. Don't go out and buy the Rolls Royce sewing machine, even though it's kind of like, oh, if I had that, then I would like sewing. It's like, well, you have to first like sewing before you like sewing with like a giant machine. Yeah, I think one thing that the internet really, really helps with for this is that it makes it somewhat easier to figure out which tools actually matter, like and what level you can sort of what what is just just the one step up from like the weird cheapy as seen on TV version where like you will know like, okay, so the, I want these 10 tools and that will make it fun and that will make it easy. But then you can kind of figure out and be like, all right, well, the one thing I actually do need to buy and can't just figure out with what I have to home is this thing. And the the sort of price segment that will make it decent, but not, you know, Rolls Royce is 20 to $70 or whatever. So that you don't just like run full force into it, but you still like maybe make it a tiny bit easier for yourself even if that's just like, well, this one glove, like it could be, you know, a three dollar and like, you know, a rubber glove. And it's like that will make it so much easier. And I figured this out, you know, and that's that's one thing that I think maybe is, is sort of a compromise. And also one thing that I also try to tell myself is that in a lot of cases, I won't actually know what like even with all the research, I won't know what the tool actually is until I've at least tried it a little bit. Like maybe I discover if if we're using the the ladle metaphor, like maybe I'll discover that I don't actually want to make soup. I want to make pasta. And then I don't have like a a strainer spoon. I only have a ladle and then I, you know, pasta is harder. Or I figure out that like um the part I make is actually the cutting up all the ingredients for the soup. And then I can invest in a good knife and I won't already have spent my my soup making money on the ladle. And like, for instance, with the Rolls Royces of of sewing machines, you might feel like, well, I want to buy the one with the most functions so that when I figure out what I like, everything will be possible. Or you think like, well, you know, it will be handy to have, you know, the embroidery option. I think most people find that you will use like three things on your sewing machine. You might use them all the time, but you won't like use these 84 other fun seams or the embroidery or the, uh, trying to think of weird functions for a sewing machine like the 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 wi-fi radio on your sewing machine whatever like you just you you <laughs> the downloading the pattern functions all that kind of stuff that no one ever uses and it's not until you've actually like played for a while with either the super cheapy or the one step above that sewing machine you might be like i don't even need to get another one because this one has straight and zigzag and then maybe you'll discover like what i really want is a very cheap serger just to finish edges on these things that i make because i'm too lazy to finish them otherwise and then you'll have the money because you didn't buy the rolls royce version i think sometimes also just like do the thing of of taking inventory of all the other great tools you got that's totally inspired you to keep doing and get great at all the other things that you started i try to do that sometimes with varying results <laughs> So our next question is from Sister Pearl. So Tiffany Armand, you know about my lifelong love affair with hand sewing and how I finally bought my first sewing machine this year. I've been thinking a lot about the wonderful balance of made the old school way and 
made with technology, which makes my life easier. I know this can be a touchy subject, especially in the historical sewing or costuming community, and I would love to hear your thoughts on it. So you want me to go first? I have uh, I have a whole philosophy about this. So go, go, go. I feel like if you are making something and you want the experience of creating to be a part, like a part of it, and it's the time-honored traditions and it's it's a deliberate choice. So most people aren't out there cooking on an open flame with stone tools, but you but like some are and they take joy and pride in that experience so for a traditional craft things aren't possible until like a lot of things you know in these crafts they weren't possible until the invention of the machines that helped the system so like the longevity of clothing is thanks to the sewing machine Um, that advancement also meant that style and fashion was possible and could be ever-changing because the machine helped making new and stylish things possible in a fast interesting way and like so quickly as styles changed so they were able to produce more things more quickly take more risks machines were great so having your goals be clear is crucial. Like, do you want to take a long time and meticulously produce a historical garment accurately? Or do you want to have produced a historical garment that will have a sturdier construction, more like a costume, and have the ability to produce a different like multiple different designs as you like make new things. So like, you know, you get to make more uh, because you're using the sewing machine to assist you in making things. So you get to practice more, more things. So it's like, it's more of like your, the choice of your own satisfaction. Are you, are you making this thing to be historically accurate and constructed historically accurately? And that is what you have. That's like your piece. That's, that's where you put the work and the heart in. Um, or are you or you just want to make it? And I don't think there should be any judgment on how you make it. It's just your own satisfaction. And it's not about the judgment of others. Like, it really is depending on where you're showing it off. What part of it do you want to brag about? Like, do you want to brag that you've made it? Or do you want to brag that you've made it historically accurately without a sewing machine? So I don't think it's it's so much of a, oh, you're cheating. I don't think the word cheating has any place in any of this when regardless if we're talking about sewing we're talking about cooking we're talking about any kind of craft making like am i cheating for using modern stained glass things instead of poisoning myself with lead like no <laughs> i don't think i'm cheating i'm still making something and i'm making something that like i want to make a, a, like a traditional craft in a modern way but if i wanted to be like i am historically reproducing like ancient you know beautiful stained glass windows and you want to be as historically accurate as possible, then do your research and and make that happen. So I think that the struggle I can understand because you don't want to feel like cheating when you put in all that work, but it depends on what the result is. Do you, you know, so, so there's a, I don't think it's as tricky as it needs to be. I just think that it is more of a personal choice and standing behind that choice. Yeah, I think, you know, the the binary isn't necessarily like made the old school way or with technology as such, because in some cases it can be good to know and understand some of the old techniques because they'll make the modern techniques make more sense or to know, like, why did we switch over to this kind of construction of things? Well, because machines can't do this thing or can do this thing. And I think with a lot of things, you kind of need a combo because there are certain, like if you're going to hem, you know, miles and miles of hems or, you know, whatever it might be, or you need to stay stitch a ton of fabric or whatever you don't want to do that by hand yes you can and yes like if if you have a lot of documentaries to get through you can do that 
on the couch. But there are some things where the machine will just be so much quicker and probably sturdier. And that's actually one thing that occurred to me when you're talking about how fashion changed. Also for, you know, many, many, many centuries, clothes were made to be remade and remade and remade. The skirts were let out or taken up or shortened. Like, so that's, you know, machine stitching sucks way more to unpick and will like do more, not necessarily damage, but leave, you know, more trace behind to be able to take in or let something out or make the silhouette different. So like, that's not something that most people have to think about anymore. But then certain things like they might be too fiddly, or you might not be able to get the control that you want on a machine, or you're like, I need two stitches here in this tiny little space. Why would I do that on machine? So I think they're more they're more complementary skills and practices that I think maybe people think they are. Like it's not that one is better or more right or more wrong. It's like they're both very good skills to have to be able to combine when you're doing. And you know, I think that the amazing tailors and seamstresses and designers and and home creators of the 17th century would have loved to have a machine to do that stuff for them. Especially cuz most sewing in the old school days wasn't for pleasure, wasn't to be shown off. It was like, it's that or naked, it's that or freeze. So, you know, we have today the luxury of sewing for ourselves because we want to, most of us. And yes, you could be, I, I think I just basically I agree with you, Tiff, that when it is for most people that luxury, not something that you have to do all the time and for, you know, all nine people of your family, you can just be like, do I like... Do I like the process and the craftsmanship of doing it by hand and, you know, spending all that time and understanding tradition or do I want the thing? Do I or do I maybe enjoy the finishing by hand, but I want the thing done before that? Yeah. And I think the important thing is like, you know, being honest about especially if you're if you're doing it more in a community that often shows off these skills, uh, you know, just being as honest as possible about it, because that's what people appreciate. And it's not about judgment. It's more about being honest. Like I did not sew this, you know, all by hand. I used a machine in these areas because it went faster and I was happier to have the thing done in time for this meetup <laughs> than, than not have it done at all. And also, I mean, so, a lot of the time, who's going to judge also that? a lot of the time, you know, we're, if, if you are in, you know, historical costuming or some other kind of, you know, cosplay or Lolita fashion or whatever, you're going to have way more outfits than the average person who originally would have worn that type of thing would have. And for most people, that means that maybe all your materials won't be historically accurate. And in that case, it's like, well, you know, this poly blend is going to be way easier to sew on the machine uh, or stuff like that. And yeah, have fun. Do the thing. Yeah. I mean, if you really want to go into it, I mean, do you have a wooden needle? Like, you know, there's or a bone like... needle. <laughs> yeah, or a bone needle. Like, you know, there's so many ways to if someone is going to be judgmental about it, there's so many like <laughs> moments to tick back in time and be like, well, it's not this accurate. Well, back when they made this, it was like this. Did you dye it with woad and pee? Yeah, exactly. So there's always going to be an element of this is not historically accurate. Did you weave your own cloth? You know, did you shear the sheep? You know, like you can go back to the absolute basics, but sometimes you're like, I just, I need to hem on this machine <laughs> and it's going to be so much better and make me so much happier. Yep. So... Our next question comes from Bullware. They ask, how much planning do you do before you start down the path of a new project or skill? 
Mine is. <laughs> I laughed at this question also. <laughs> my, mine is an evil laugh, but at myself, not at this question. I think I, I think the answer is like all of it or none of it. There's no in between. Because <laughs> you're either like, hmm, you know, I need to think. I need to do all the research. I need to figure this out. I want to. And it's not necessarily because you would think that that would spoil the fun. And it doesn't necessarily, at least not for me. Or I'm like, you know, lunging in. I have no idea how deep the water is or are there sharks? Is it freezing? I'm just like, yay. That is exactly my answer. Sometimes it's embarrassingly little, like especially if the initial buy-in is really cheap, like watercolor. You can practice with a palette from the 99 cent store or the same with knitting, like free yarn from Aunt Sally and, and dollar needles, right? Like others need heavy research or proper tools. And that's where I sometimes fall off because especially when I realize that the cheap version of the tool needed to produce a, a terrific or, you know, any kind of product that I want or like any kind of project here. And e even it will result in like super unsatisfying results uh, with the cheap tool. And then you have a large investment buys more success. Um, I'm looking at something like 3D printing, which I know for a fact that bullware is invested in. Uh, that is one of those things where like you you look at it, but like if a project won't unwedge itself from your mind and I keep thinking and constantly researching and diving deeper and deeper and deeper and wishing that that was how I spent my time, regardless of like the, the buy-in, the planning, if it gets me all revved up, like I'm doing an intense amount of planning, then I feel like I gave it a good amount of time and consideration and I'm ready to go for it. So it really depends on, for me, the investment of time and space and finances into the project, how much I'm going to put into it. So I could just be like you, wave my arms and be like, whoa, I'm doing everything. Oh, I didn't even think about this. I'm just starting it. Uh, or like, you know, you sit down, you're like, oh, hey, I weirdly have these tools already available to me, like some weird stuff in my craft drawer. And I'm going to make this thing that I saw on Pinterest versus like, I need to be researching for months before I figure out exactly how I want to tackle this project. So yeah, I'm with you. It's all it's all or it's nothing. <laughs> uh, where I'm also a not at all surprising Olympian here is suddenly falling down that research hole for something that I'm actually not that interested in and probably am never going to do. But like you see it on like YouTube or Twitter or wherever and you're just like, I now need to learn everything about this craft for no particular well, reason. Well, sometimes you're like, I can sometimes you just look at it and you're like I could do that and then you start researching and researching and researching and you're like I can't do that <laughs> I can't do that we're just we're 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 sponges but we need to remember to squeeze ourselves out too yes Ew, that sounded don't want to get stinky <laughs> uh all right our last question yeah our final question is from June I feel like half of these questions are mocking us and they're not it's just that creative people are so often so similar how do you keep yourself from jumping from project to project? Every new project <laughs> is the new shiny. And by adding new shiny ideas to the ideas pile, those ideas lose their shine. And when you get around to working on them, you run the risk of being not as enamored with the idea as you once was. Uh, hey, help me. <laughs> uh, how do you how do you stop yourself? I I don't. I literally jump from sewing to glass to painting to writing letters to podcast editing all in one afternoon. Like I make an absolute mess of my house. There are more, <laughs> like I take over more than my share of the space, but on those days I'm kind of the happiest. And so I'm looking at this more of like a daily thing, like just jumping around from project to project. But like, if you think you, 
I, I like to think about something. So if I think you mean something long term, so if you abandon things completely for the new shiny and you do it a lot, it probably means that you haven't found the right thing for you. I mean, I abandoned crafts because I wasn't being true to myself in the first place when I started them. And you can like a project or admire things from other people doing projects and even want the results to be in your life. Uh, but if it isn't clicking and being a part of you, then I suggest leaving that project to the people who have the passion for it and supporting them by buying their work and leaving room in your own life for something that you feel more connected with and will likely stick with longer term. So that doesn't mean it has to just be one thing, but I think finding and narrowing and and I it comes with knowing yourself a little bit more and going through these stages of new shiny, new shiny, new shiny and realizing like what do the ones that get abandoned have in common and what do the ones that stick around have in common and focusing as much of your energy as possible on the ones that stick around and the reason why and being satisfied with that. I think also, you know, sometimes when you do get around to working on something that is on the pile, it can actually have had the chance to regain its shine. Like, you know, you you had this idea and you didn't get around to it at the time and then it stays on the pile because like you're saying, for whatever reason, you didn't do it at the time or quickly. But then sometimes I think they do need to stay there for a while to sort of mature or whatever, like to become fun. Uh, it needs to soak. It needs to soak. <laughs> the the sponge needs to soak in some borax. No, but like the, the, to be fun again, to sort of be to allow you to come back around to them rather than like oh they give you you know a guilty conscience or uh you don't know how to do it and like I think maybe maybe think about it because I think it's so easy to think of it as being a bad thing to be like oh I'm enthusiastic or I want to try all the things and the new shiny but I think there's some things to be said for that as well kind of like you know both you and I could just jump into a lot of different projects we get ideas for because we've collected shinies, physical shinies. Like we've collected the tools or the materials and a lot of times also collected different kinds of skills. Yeah, I, I find myself getting stuck in like yarn crafts. Like <laughs> I, I, I yearn to do those things and I have the ability to do them and I, and I accumulate all the stuff for them, but then I never do them. Like it's just, it's not my thing. And I need to like accept that and, and buy from people who it is their thing. Instead of like filling my life with all their Maybe stuff. Maybe <laughs> you and I should have a retreat where it's like two weeks and both both of us have to do the things that we think we really want to do. I will make you knit for an entire day. Uh, you will have <laughs> me paint landscapes and then we'll have it out of our system or discover that we love it. No, but I think also it, it occurs to me that I think, I mean, it's kind of unfair because you actually, you know, you worked in real life theater costuming. But I think like that's what would make both you and me good like cosplayers because we have this like weird battery of skills and because we've tried so many different things we also have maybe a little bit of an off-kilter imagination and just be like how can I make this look like a thing mm -hmm. and and also maybe knowing like how can I make this look like a thing for an hour for the gram <laughs> you know how can I mm -hmm. how can I weather this thing how can I whatever because we've tried all these weird stupid crafts once or you know at a store or whatever and I think that's also a strength and that's also something like when when you have the little shinies and like sometimes it's okay to be a magpie and just be like I have the shinies and they make me happy and that's all they do and that's okay 
you know? I mean, yeah, and sometimes you never know where, like, the skills from one new shiny project is going to be there for you if for a larger or slightly different project. And so you can build on all the ideas of, oh, I want to try this. I want to try this. I want to try this. And then down the road, you'll be like, I know how to do this. Like, I need to make this one big thing. And I know how to do all these like little things that inform this big thing. And so it wasn't all for naught. But if you are trying to, you know, trim down the pile a little bit uh the the focus of your heart should lead you i mean i know that's kind of like oh flighty <laughs> to say but it kind of is true like you it, it's coming to terms with being saying like no i don't usually do things like this even though i can i will then focus my energy and time on a shiny new thing that's likely to stick around i think that you know with during the during lockdown, a lot of people have been pointing out that like what has what have people been doing is consuming different kinds of art. So like, yes, on the one hand, we joke that our skills are maybe not the most like conducive to surviving the apocalypse. But if you think about the fact that a large part of the apocalypse is going to be hanging out, our skills are going to be great. Uh, before we say goodbye and goodnight, uh, I would love to know if you guys are dressing up for Halloween because for some reason I am not completely locked into this weird cosplay idea. I'm going to tell Tiff about the weird thing that I came up with a couple of nights ago uh, off the air because I don't want anyone to steal it. Uh, but I would love to see if anyone is doing <laughs> anything fun. So we have questions for you. So that means you need to have answers for us. And you can go find our show notes over at relay.fm slash make do where you can become a member of relay.fm and support our show. So make sure you go and click on make do specifically because we love you and you love us. And we need shiny stuff. And we need more shinies so we can keep doing the show and telling you about how we succeed or fail with our new shinies. <laughs> and we are at Make Do Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And that's where you can go and tell us the answer to your question. Are you dressing up for Halloween? You can also find us individually at Tiffany Arment and at Julia Scott, S-K-O-T-T. And until then, we'll be back in a fortnight. Uh, and you can actually, that's going to be about spooky time. Ooh. <laughs> And we will talk maybe spooky things. And it's Julia's birthday. Uh, so until then, go make and do and spook. <laughs>